So our theme for this month's Local Evangelism Month is Be Prepared from 1 Peter 3.15. The first Sunday of the month I was able to preach that text and we were reminded that in this fallen, broken, sinful world that, that every culture is hostile to the gospel. We heard from the Knoxes how they're going to the ends of the earth and, and, and supporting church planters who are going out into animistic cultures that are absolutely set up in opposition to the gospel. But our culture right here is also in opposition to the gospel. And God has placed you and I right here to be his witnesses. But the best news of all that we saw from that passage is that we have a reason for hope, that Christ is Lord. And and in a world that often seems hopeless, Jesus Christ is our reason for hope. It's because of that gospel message that we have hope in everything. And and I'm so grateful that... that, uh, we had an opportunity to, to sing about that this morning. We had a chance to, to reflect on the living hope. And, and Pastor Mike read some verses that, that shared with us the whole theme of First Peter and that, that Jesus is our living hope. And then in between uh, the first time that I preached and now, Pastor Tim was able to share with us the, the glorious hope that we have in the resurrection. It's such a great piece and a good fit for our local evangelism month because that is the reason that we have hope. And last week when Pastor Tim shared that uh, short video clip from Alistair Begg, that is the criminal on the cross who comes to faith in Christ is one of my favorite characters in all of Scripture. Because through no merit of his own, Jesus says to him, truly this day you will be with me in paradise. Because the man on the middle cross told me that I could come. That is our reason that we have hope. And such a great reminder for us this morning to, to reflect on what does that living hope mean for us in our day-to-day lives? Because that's what Local Evangelism Month is all about. How can the hope that is in us change the way that we live each and every day? So this morning we're going to continue looking at our call to reach the lost by using our theme verse as a launching point for our study time together. The title for my message this morning is Be Prepared, the Whole Gospel for the Whole Person. You see, I think it's easy for us to compartmentalize the gospel and not apply it to every aspect of our lives. And I think that it's important for us to understand that the gospel truth equally impacts every area of us. It impacts the whole person. The gospel message gives us hope because of the resurrection power of Christ. And that truth changes everything. It changes our day-to-day hope. It changes our eternal destination. It changes everything about our daily lives. And just as the gospel must change everything about us, it must affect our body, our mind, and our emotions. I believe that our theme verse challenges us that that we must understand the gospel through a holistic lens, the the whole entire person, and not compartmentalize things into emotions or mind or body. That Jesus wants all of us, and he wants us to present the truth in the same way. So as we study the the word together this morning, we're going to jump around a lot. We're going to look at a lot of different verses. Most of them will be on the screen, but not all of them. Because I want us to see that in the grand scheme of God's design, He repeatedly encourages us that he wants every part of us to be wholeheartedly committed to him. 
That's what he wants from you and I as, he'll, as his children. But we're going to begin with two main passages. Our, our theme verse in 1 Peter 3.15 and Mark 12, verses 28 through 30. God's word tells us in 1 Peter, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. In Mark 12, 28 through 30, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It is our desire every time that we preach here at First Baptist Church that God's word would impact our hearts. Not Chad's wisdom, not Tim's wisdom, not Dan or Mike's wisdom or whoever we may have sharing up front, but God's word. So let's quickly pray to that end. Father, I pray that you would truly speak to us this morning, that your holy word would be planted deep in us and that you would use our time spent together studying your word to change us into the image and likeness of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our first point this morning is that our gospel hope changes everything. As I've already alluded to, in Christ there is no corner of our lives that is not affected by the gospel. The hope that is within us is an all-encompassing hope that must impact every aspect of our lives. You see, the scribes and Pharisees thought that, that their strict adherence to the law was necessary to please God. They thought that if they would hold to the law just perfectly enough that God would, would love them and, 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 and love them more and that they would be pleasing to him. And so they often engaged in debates regarding which of the laws were the most important. And, and they put this burden on the people of Israel trying to get them to, to uh, live up to laws that weren't even truly in God's word because they wanted their sect, their group, their people to be the ones who loved the Lord the most. And so, in an attempt to trip up Jesus and and to make him choose sides in this debate, they asked him which law is the most important. And the, the scribe is essentially asking what commandment can he follow that would make God love him and their way of thinking more than the other guy's. Whether this was supposed to be an actual trap or, uh, or not is really irrelevant because it's a great question. And Jesus answers him that God must be the greatest treasure in our life. He says you are to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You are supposed to love God with every fiber of your being. That is the first and greatest commandments you see but to do that that means that it must change everything you see jesus gave it all to us so jesus wants it all from us just as there's no corner of our lives that's not affected by the gospel there's no there's no dark corner of our life that that we can say okay the gospel has changed everything but not that it changes everything within us And that means that every aspect of our lives should then be fully committed to him. Everything. Even though we live in a culture that struggles with commitment, God desires our wholehearted commitment to him. That has always been God's desire. 
It doesn't matter what time in history anybody has ever lived. When, when someone comes to Christ, he wants all of them. This is what it means to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and we're very fond of teaching our kids, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I'm not going to hold anything back from my Jesus because I love him so much. But, but we, as we grow older, begin to, to section off parts of our lives and say, well, I'm going to give this, life, this part of my life over to Christ, but I'm going to hold this part back. And that is not what the gospel calls us to. The gospel calls us to a wholehearted surrender of everything that we have and everything that we are to Jesus because he is our Savior. The gospel message means that every aspect is given over to him and you and I, we hold nothing back. This concept is at the heart of the famous quote by Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary to the Alcas in Ecuador. When he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And, and as believers, we say amen to that. But when we are living our day-to-day lives, do we live in such a way that, that we are living for the thing that we can't lose? No, too often we get so caught up in, in the world around us and, and we're clinging to the things in this world. Myself included. But Jesus says, no, I want your everything. And while most of us are not going to be called to actually give our lives for the sake of the gospel, some literally are. And Jesus is worth it. And not everyone is called to go to the ends of the earth like the Knox family that we heard from in Sunday school, but some are. And Jesus is worth it. But Romans 12, which Dan alluded to, talks about that all of us are called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. He skipped that part. He figured, I don't want to steal Chad's thunder. All of us are called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Scripture tells us that we were bought with a price, so honor God with our bodies. We are to hold nothing back. And so whether you're called to go to the ends of the earth, whether you're literally called to, to die as a martyr for Christ is actually irrelevant. You and I are called to live every day, wholeheartedly sold out and committed to the gospel message. Jesus gave it all to us, so Jesus wants it all from us, and Jesus deserves it all from us. That is our worship of him. Because the gospel changes everything, everything we have is offered to him as a living sacrifice. So, so what does that mean? Well, that means that being prepared to share our hope involves body, mind, and emotions. Be prepared is our theme for local evangelism month. And that means that, that we need to be prepared to share body, mind, and emotions. I want us to notice how our theme verse for the month addresses every aspect of our lives. It, it begins by saying, but in your hearts. When we reference hearts, we're, we're, we're talking about our emotional center. But this is, this is bigger than that. This is actually saying the core of who you are in your being. In your hearts, Peter says, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense. You you have your body ready at all times for war. That's what it means to be prepared to make a defense. You and I are always to be ready to stand up and take a stand for the cause of Christ. To make war with the enemy. 
to confront the lies that the culture is telling us and to present the truth. And how do we do that? To anyone who asks you for a reason. You see, the gospel message is truth. It is reasonable. It, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we cannot allow a culture to tell us, well, I'm not sure if that's really what God's word says. God's word teaches it. It is true. And you and I have to be ready to reason, to make a stand, be prepared to anyone who asks you for that reason, for the hope that is in you. We have a settled peace, the settled peace that we talked about, that comes from the resurrection power of Christ that Tim preached about. Because all of that is true, and because we know that is true, we can, can present those things, the hope that is within us. But we're called to do that with gentleness and respect. We share the gospel with care and compassion for the lost. You see, the gospel is intended to impact the whole person because the gospel of Jesus changes everything. For the rest of our time together, we're going to use that as a launching point, but I want us to look separately at what does Scripture tell us about those three categories, body, mind, and emotions. But what I really hope that we'll see together is is that they're actually inseparable. We, We shouldn't be taking one or the other. And in fact, while I'm pointing out specifics in certain verses that speak to maybe the body, mind, or the emotions, you'll notice that they're, they're oftentimes woven together. And you'll see all of them in many of these scriptures at the same time. So first I want us to think together about the body. Being prepared means that we are always ready. This is a physical term. This is a call to make ready a defense of the gospel. This is, this is saying that, that those of us who are in Christ have to daily be prepared to be physically confronting the world around us. The term here used describes a soldier who is steady and standing ready for battle. When we discussed this a few weeks ago, I, I reminded us that to be prepared to share the hope within us means that we're even ready to take a stand and suffer for the sake of the gospel. We must choose to live our lives in such a way that God's name and kingdom are more important than our own physical comforts. Too often we, we allow ourselves to buy into the lie that, that this life is about me. And, and the world around us says that, that we have to be gathering all sorts of things and, and stuff and, and taking care of just ourselves and our family and our bodies. But the gospel message says that we should be thinking about so much more than just the physical things in our lives. A few chapters later or before our verse in 1 Peter 3, in 1 Peter 2, 19 and 20, Peter sets the stage for what he's going to tell them later when he says this, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Peter says, what good is it if you suffer for something that you did wrong and you deserve it? There's nothing good or gracious in that. But when you suffer for the name of Christ, when you suffer simply because of your love for your Savior, it is a good and gracious thing. When mindful of God, one suffers sorrows while suffering unjustly, he says that it is a gracious thing. 
So before telling the readers to be prepared, Peter reminds the early church that suffering for the sake of the gospel is a beautiful and gracious thing. But too often, we don't treat it that way. It's not a punishment or something that is intended to break us. It is a glorious, good, and gracious thing. And the gospel is worthy of sacrificing our body and even our life, if necessary. Because Jesus is worth it. Whatever may happen to us physically, he is worth it. We are called to to work hard and to sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel. And that is our calling as we love the Lord with all our strength. We are supposed to commit all of our physical resources in this world to, to living a life that honors and glorifies Christ and shares his love and grace and mercy with everyone that God has placed in our life. That is our calling as we love the Lord with all our strength. We see all this repeatedly throughout Scripture. But for our monthly Saturday morning meetings, we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2 together. It gives us a great illustration of of the soldier, of the farmer, and of the athlete who who sacrifice their bodies for the sake of the gospel. They are hard-working groups of people. They are hard-working categories that that see that, that we should commit everything for the cause of Christ. And this applies to everyone at any age. I think indirectly we think this only applies to the young and to the kids. For instance, we applaud our, 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 our young children learning the Awana theme verse. We find it in 2 Timothy 2.15. But do your best to present yourself to God as, a, as, as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I struggle with that. I want to keep putting the NIV words in there. Rightly dividing. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But that's not just for kids. Paul writes that to Timothy, who's who's establishing and planting a church. And he says, do your best, strive, strain, press on, endure, work hard. That's not just for children. Paul is telling Timothy, ministry is tough. Life is tough. Be prepared. Be prepared. Live your life as a worker, one who's presenting your body as a living sacrifice. And there's no expiration date on these commands. I can't say, well, I'm you know, 46 years old now. I'm in the second half of my life. It's time to slow down and start coasting. I'm coasting for Jesus. No. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel says I, I commit my life every day and I sell it out all for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. Whatever strength I I have, I am called to use it for the sake and name of Jesus. And while we're talking about the body right now, notice that, that when we're willing to sacrifice our body and be known as someone who works hard for the gospel, we don't have to be ashamed, right? That, that's the emotional side of it. I, I, I don't have to be ashamed because I'm holding anything back from my glorious Savior, And then how will we be known? We'll be known to have a sharp mind that rightly handles, rightly divides God's word. It all goes hand in hand because the gospel changes everything. So that brings us to our second section that I want us to focus on, the mind. You see, the Bible is trustworthy and reliable. We need to understand that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's word 
and it can be trusted. In our culture right now, the battle has been raging for quite a while regarding truth. People encourage one another to live your truth and, and all those kinds of, of things. While, while sayings like this are, are somewhat harmless on their face, at its heart, it, it implies that truth is something that can change depending on the time, the person, and the circumstances. But God's word is true. And we must be a people that care about what is actually true and doesn't change. If the gospel isn't true, then you and I are just wasting our time here together every week. If the gospel isn't true, then you and I are wasting our time raising up our children to believe the scriptures in the Bible. That's, what, that's why Timothy's message on the resurrection, that's why Tim's message on the resurrection were such a great fit. Because in our culture, we're being bombarded that the resurrection isn't true, that Jesus isn't true, that the Bible can't be trusted. And we need to be reminded, including you and me, we need to be reminded that God's word is the truth. 1 Corinthians fifteen fourteen tells us, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching in his vain, your faith also is in vain. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this is all meaningless. But those who know Christ know wholeheartedly that it isn't meaningless. It means everything because the gospel changes everything. So we fight. We fight the battle for truth. We must be willing then to arm ourselves with God's word and be able to explain it and defend the truth of the gospel. If you are here this morning and you are a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you, which means you have everything necessary with the Holy Spirit and God's word to make a ready defense to anybody's questions that they ask you. You don't have to be the most intelligent person in the world. You don't have to be the most intelligent person in the room to take a stand and share God's word with those who need to hear it. In a world where people are taught to question everything, we have to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us. You see, I believe wholeheartedly that, that the presentation of truth in our culture is one of the most important aspects of defending our faith. I think we've turned a little bit of a corner where, where people are truly questioning things, but instead of being ready to share the reason for the hope that is within us, too many Christians have decided we should step back and be silent. But if you and I are going to be silent, who is going to tell them about the glorious gospel of Jesus? The answer is no one. If they don't hear it from those of us who know Christ, they are not going to hear it. And people all around us are being sucked into believing Satan's lies. So you and I must be ready to share the truth. And I say Satan's lies because the world around us is, is very quickly learning how to manipulate God's word more and more effectively each and every day. There are people learning how to twist and, and to turn the truth of God every day. So you and I must know what does God's word truly say. This is what it means to love the Lord with all of our mind. It's to be convinced that his word is, is true and that I need to be able to defend it. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Excuse me. And how we're 
Adam and Eve deceived by the craftiness of Satan? What method did Satan use? He said, did God really say? And how many times in our culture do we have someone say, does the Bible really say that? And if your response is, well, you know, it's it's a whole different time, it's a whole different culture, and and I'm not really sure, our, our, our response should simply be, this is what God's word says. And I don't, I don't want us to do that harshly. I don't want us to do that in, a, in an ungodly, unkind way. We'll talk about how we need to do that with gentleness and respect. But what the Bible says is what the Bible says. And we need to take a stand on what the Bible says. And when, when someone says, oh, did God really say? We need to know that that is just a scheme of Satan trying to twist God's word to make it anything that the world around us wants it to mean. So if we're going to, but if we're going to be ready to take a stand and, and really understand when someone says, did, did God really say, does the Bible really mean this? That means that you and I have to know and understand the Bible. That means we have to be discipled by the word of God. Christians can't spend 20 hours a week watching TV, 20 hours a week consuming social media, 20 hours a week casually reading uh, from fiction books, and 20 hours a week watching sports, and one hour a week on Sunday mornings in God's Word. If that is what is doing the discipleship in your life, it will be reflected. And when someone says to you, does the Bible really say? Does God really say? You're not going to have an answer. But you and I are called to have an answer, to give a reason for the hope that is within us. I preach this message to myself as much as to anyone else here because we all need to be reminded that loving the Lord with all of our mind means that I'm going to invest my time filling my mind with his truth and not the world's truth around me. It's the only way that I can be prepared to share it. And I don't want to walk away from any conversation with an unbeliever wishing that I had had the right words to say. I need to be filled with God's word ahead of time. That's what it means to be prepared. Preparation happens ahead of time so that I'll have the ability to speak when the opportunity presents itself. That's loving the Lord with all your mind. You're committing your mind to know God's word and to have an answer when someone asks you a question. That's what Paul was saying in 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4. He says to Timothy, preach the word. But if you're going to do that, you must be ready in season and out in season. Rebuke, correct, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You and I aren't called to say, oh, woe is us. Look at the people around us. They're, they're turning from the truth. They're, they're surrounding themselves with people who are just going to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season. That means we have to train our minds so that we can preach the truth to those who need to hear it. We aren't called to share my truth or your truth. We aren't called to share my wisdom. We are called to preach the word, share God's truth. That's the only way that you and I can win the battle of the mind. 
And the only way to be prepared for those opportunities to share the gospel is to fill your, your heart and your mind with God's word ahead of time. It has to happen ahead of time. Study and read from, from good Christian apologists, men and women who are gifted at confronting the world's lies and using God's word to present the truth graciously, to make compelling arguments that reason well because God's word is true. And it's okay for us to say that we should reason this out together because I'm going to use the truth to apply it to your question and not Chad's wisdom. If you need some recommendations, there's some really good ones out there. Our church library is full of them. Find some books that resonate with with your methods and, and, and the way that you like to handle these things. Read them and apply them. They'll give you answers for the reason, for the hope that is within you and help you to see how you can use your mind to love the Lord completely. But you see, the gospel also calls us to give our hearts to Jesus as well. Emotions. Jesus cares for our hearts. It's interesting when emotions are brought up in Bible studies, even here in our church. While I wholeheartedly agree that we can't allow our emotions to control us or be the driving force of our lives, too many believers act like emotions don't matter at all. God created us all uniquely and gifted some of us differently. And he made some of us with really analytical minds. And he made some of us with really emotional minds. And he gave us every mix in between. And that is the way that God has made you. And so you must use the gifting that he has given you to to share the truth wisely. Because both intellectual and emotional matter because the gospel impacts everything. So you and I are called to crush arguments and lies of Satan. But the person standing in front of us is not our enemy. We, we shouldn't, our heart shouldn't be overwhelmed with wanting to crush that person in front of us. Sharing the truth in love means that we must be, be prepared to present the truth with gentleness and respect, our theme verse tells us. This isn't just one obscure verse taken out of context by people who tend to be emotional thinkers. Let's compare it with Philippians 1, 15 through 16, when, when Paul is challenging the church to not be content in just knowing Jesus, but to advance the gospel. And he tells them, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Paul says, I am put here to make a defense of the gospel because it is true. But I'm not going to trick anybody into believing the gospel. I don't preach out of envy or rivalry or any other negative emotion. We do it from a heart that is overflowing with love. Even to those who pose us. I would actually contend especially to those who oppose us. Jesus taught his disciples early on that when when you heard it said that love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Don't don't just kind of get along with your enemies. You need to love them. Love your enemies. And yes, it is hard, but living for Jesus is hard, hard. And we're called to sacrifice for him. It's not an easy life. So when in a culture where arguing and shouting one another down is the tactic of the day, you and I are called to be different. 1 Peter 3.9 tells us, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For, those, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Don't return evil for evil. Love 
those who persecute you. Pray for them. Share the gospel with them. If your goal is to own your enemies, whether in real life or online, how do you expect to lead them to an understanding of the gospel? Oh, I owned them in that argument. But they heard nothing about Jesus. You and I are called to love our enemies. One theologian, David Walls, sums it up this way. He says, One of the distinguishing marks of believers in Christ is their possession of hope. Christian hope is to be so real and distinctive that non-Christians will be puzzled by it and ask for an explanation. We should seize the opportunities of witness presented in these kinds of situations. Our response should be characterized not by smugness or vindictiveness, but by gentleness and respect. We live in an emotionally charged, politically polarized culture. But our sovereign God is not surprised by this. In fact, I believe he has placed you and me right here where we are in our community to be a witness for him. It is no accident that he has placed First Baptist Church to be a bastion of truth right here in Clinton County. But we have to do this with gentleness and respect, loving our enemies, not repaying evil for evil. You see, the gospel changes everything for us. It must change the way that we fight the good fight, defending the truth and presenting the gospel to those around us who need to hear about Jesus. Jesus' gospel gives us hope in everything. So no matter why we are here this morning, no matter what we are going through, Jesus' gospel, his resurrection life gives us hope. And we are to share a reason for that hope with all around us. Perhaps we've come to the end of our time together this morning and you're thinking, that's all fine and good, Chad, but really, how does this matter? Well, it matters because that for those of us who know Jesus, we gather together each week to remind ourselves of everything that Jesus has done for us. That's why we worship and celebrate all that he has done for us. And we remind our brain that even though we live in this fallen, broken, sinful world, that God's word is true. It is reliable. It is trustworthy. I can trust my life and my eternity to the truth of God's word. And we know that when we we understand that with our minds, it, it should motivate our hearts to overflow with praise to our precious Savior. But not just praise for God and and love for Jesus, but then love for all those that he has placed around us. Because we know that when this truth has touched our hearts, it should prepare us to go out and serve him every day of our lives. Committing our heart, soul, mind, and strength to making him known right here in St. John's and to the ends of the earth. When we gather together to worship every week, if all we've done is shared knowledge with one another, we failed. And if all we've done is encouraged one another because life is hard, we've failed. We must do those things, but we must do all of those things. And we must understand that as we do that, it prepares us to battle, prepares us to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Sharing knowledge and encouraging one another's hearts should motivate us to be prepared to take action for Jesus, the one who gave us everything and demands from us everything. Oh, because of the the grace and mercy of our glorious Savior, I challenge each and every one of us to share the reason for the hope that is within us because the world around us desperately needs to hear the good news of the gospel.
Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we are reminded this morning of some of the hard truths of your word that you do want everything from us. And it is so easy for us to get caught up in living life day to day in neglecting our call to make you known in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the, ends of the world. Father, the earth and all the peoples of the earth need to hear the good news of, news of Christ. But you have placed us here. So I pray, Lord, that you would raise up men and women that are committed to living their lives body, mind, and spirit, the whole person committed to Jesus and the gospel message so that you might be honored and glorified and those that don't know Christ would come to saving faith in him in whose precious name we pray. Amen.